The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the First Guy Podcast. My name is Kyle Porter. I'm here with Mark Immelman. Uh, We're here to break down the second to last uh, event of the PGA Tour season, Mark. Uh, what, what was your big takeaway? There was a lot, there's a lot of different kind of stuff going on, similar to the Northern Trust, uh, outside of just the guy who won. What, what was your big takeaway from Medina this week? Well, my first takeaway, Carl, was that Medina obviously didn't show. I mean, yeah. everyone was expecting this huge ballpark uh, where scoring was going to be difficult. But, you know, golf in the summertime, golf in the Midwest in the summertime, you're going to get summertime showers and we got a lot of rain. And so the golf course was receptive. And look, these PGA Tour guys are good, man. And so you give them fairways that are playing wider because of the soft conditions and greens that are more receptive because of the rain. And, 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 and it wasn't necessarily because some of the whole locations were tucked. But it, to me, chipping and, and greenside stuff was really easy. And so as a result, if these guys have soft greens, they could pitch it up there close, get out there. And then if you were someone like Justin Thomas or Hideki Matsuyama, you know, they, they could get after it a bit if you were striking your irons well. So for me, the big takeaway was the golf course. As far as the leaderboard goes, I, I, you know, it was you, you had guys you sort of expected and then you had a few guys – you could do well. You didn't play that well. I mean, Kepka had a good day today, five under to get to minus ten, I think it was, and yeah. and then Justin Rose, who I thought was going to clean house a little bit, he just was a non-starter really. So so it, it was an odd sort of a week, but a fun week nonetheless because there were some cool storylines coming in. Yeah, it was, and and I thought JT sixty one on Saturday was was pretty electric. You know, I, I think that this time of year it's it's a little bit hard sometimes to get fans kind of locked in. I was pretty locked into that. That was pretty awesome. I. Before we get to JT, I, I wanted to know if you saw what Adam Scott said about kind of equipment and how equipment relates to uh, courses and driving and, and everything that goes along with that. Did you see some of his quotes on that? Uh, I did. And you know what? They were appropriate. Uh, <laughs> it was interesting to me that they come came from Adam Scott, who's normally pretty tight-lipped and yeah. you know he doesn't show too much emotion. So the fact that Adam Scott is saying something, that should say something. Um but he's right, you know, the driver is just so forgiving and these guys are just so long and and because the driver is forgiving, they can just get up there and tee the ball high and just smash away and and to a certain extent make some of the great golf courses obsolete. So maybe now this is in the vein because obviously pace of play was a hot button issue. Maybe now because there's all this awareness, Adam thought, well, it's a good time for us ball strikers to have something to say about this because, you know, I remember back in the day, Nick Price, it was Adam Scott, you know, great swinger at the middle of the club face all of the time. But, you know, the playing field was leveled some with the advent then of the metal wood and then the titanium wood and then the, the graphite shafts and stuff. 
I think Adam feels marginally aggrieved because he likes to shape balls, and now with new equipment and big driver heads and fast golf balls, that you know, effectively the the, the playing field is leveled. So. I'm surprised he said it, but I'm sort of in a funny way glad he said something about it. Yeah, I, I am too. I, I think it's hard, though, because I think when you, you talk about um, just sort of the business of all of this and, and, and guys, people get worked up about, you know, course architecture and, and, you know, all these different things. And it's like, well, there's only like in terms of infrastructure, like there's only like so many courses you can do. Right. And there's only so many places that will even want to host an event like this. And so I just, I, I think we get, I think we tend to get myopic when we start talking about like, you know, what's wrong with courses and what's wrong with, with equipment. And, and re the reality is that all these different things fit together and it's hard to change one of them without affecting the rest of it. Absolutely. Well, you know, as, as far as look, Every sport, everything in the world, they're going to be technological advances, and and the you know the, the obviously it was with a driver first, but the new golf ball is making it possible for these guys just to swing away, and so there's golf ball speed, and so as a result, it makes some of these golf courses obsolete to a certain extent. But there's more to it, to your point, which is very well founded. You know, some of the great golf courses, they're in areas that just can't support big tournaments now, like the U.S. Open, for argument's sakes, where they have hundreds of thousands of folks that show up. So uh, as a result, because of the growth of the game technologically and in popularity, you, you know, some of the Marians of the world, for argument's sakes, it's just hard to take golf back to these places. But that being said, this week, um, Medina number three, it's in Chicago, huge market, big golf course, lots of space around there. Soft conditions, playing 7,600 or whatever it was plus, and so shooting, you know, if you shot 17 under, you, you weren't even close to the lead, which was silly, <laughs> because that's four rounds of 68. And, and when we got there and saw the pros, I was like, well, hang on a second, you know, I, if you do four rounds under 70, you're going to be in good shape let alone 468s, but, you know, he has John Rahm shoots equivalent 16 under, and he's a mere nine back of the lead. So, it was, you know, imagine, imagine shooting 16 under and spotting a guy in nine and, you know, just finishing tight. Yeah, and, and I thought that, you know, I thought the I thought JT winning was, was, was fitting. It felt like, you know, somebody like him in this kind of, in this kind of park playing in these kind of conditions, um, he... He has 10 wins now, Mark. He's got 10 wins in a major. Uh, the list of guys who have done that at that age is is really small. And even the list of, of you know, kind of current guys that have I, – I tweeted this out. So the list of active players with double-digit wins, and these guys all have majors as well, at least one. So Tiger's got 81, Phil with 44, DJ's got 20, and then you got Ernie, Ernie Els, Furick, Rory, Adam Scott, Jason Day, Zach Johnson, Bubba, Jordan Spieth, Sergio Rose, and Justin Thomas now. And so JT at the age of 26 has basically had the PGA Tour career of Justin Rose and Sergio Garcia, 10 wins and a major. Now, those guys are more accomplished, obviously, on the European Tour, and, and I think that needs to be said, and, and you factor that in. But I don't know. Like, at the age of 26, I, I just – I feel like what JT do, has done so far is uh, is kind of underappreciated. 
It certainly is, you know. Because, well, look, there, there's they they joke, and, and I'm not calling him this, but his buddies joke. Justin Thomas and Ricky and company, and they called Jordan the Golden Boy, you know, for a long time he was. But but we're getting to a place where, I, with respect, Justin Thomas, he, he's all class. This guy's got all sorts of game physically and clearly he's got the mental chops for this as well and and he always sort of flew in the shadow of Jordan Spieth to a certain extent but now you know he's the FedEx Cup champ former FedEx Cup former player of the year he's got his major championship we kind of know there will be more although you know me I'm remiss to start giving these away because mm-hmm. we've seen how things have to its way to win so but 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 if the trajectory continues you know, there's more multiple win seasons. There's more major championships in the future. And and he's primed at 26 because he's 26 years young. There has been one injury, and that's a wrist. And a wrist always concerns me um, because, you know, it takes so much load with these guys striking the ground at 100-plus miles an hour multiple times a day. Um, so the, the wrist is a little concerning, but there's only one real injury he's suffered. And so he's got a lot of golf out in front and and – He's figured out the recipe. He's got his good team around him. You know, he's shown that he can win in different sorts of conditions. Uh, for argument's sakes, Hilly uh, is sort of a parkland place where par was golden at times and then it got to be a bit of a fest when it softened up. This week was just fly out in the air and bomb and score. And he's one in places where you had to sort of make par being a good score. So he's got the complete game. And I, I think to a place now, he's firmly out of Jordan Spieth's shadow, and he may be one of the alpha dogs on the PGA Tour. Well, if, if I have to give you this scenario, for the rest of their careers, who wins more tournaments, Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas? <laughs> you sound like Will Haskett to me. Okay, quick, quick backstory to this. Uh, many moons ago, uh, we were driving in a rental car together from LAX to La Quinta. Um, for what was then, uh, it, you know, to me it's still a Bob Hope. I'm not sure it was the career builder back then or something. Now it's the Desert Classic. And um, we were having this conversation and I said to him, I felt like Patrick Reed was kind of someone to really watch. Bet dinner with me that Jordan Spieth would have a bigger year, a bigger year which he ended up doing this. He had that torrid run. Um, so I lost there, but now you can see that, you know, Reed is coming through and, you know, I, I would think, look, Jordan, to Rory's point, um, a bird in the hand is with two in the bush. And if jo- Rory, when you ask him about this, he'll say to you, well, I've got four, and JT's got one, and I've got four, and Justin Rose's got one, and I've got four, and Dustin's got one. So he goes, I've got four, Jordan's got three, he's still going to get to four. So with Jordan having three, those things don't come for free, okay? So, so it's hard for me to say that when it's all said and done, Justin will have the better career. Possible? Absolutely. Is it probable? I'm not so sure. Right now, the way he's going, and with the self-belief he has, I believe he'll pick off one or two more. But we're to three majors plus. I mean, that's pretty rarefied air if you think about it. So, so, so that's a long way to go still. But, but I do believe he can do it if things go his way. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so Justin Ray tweeted this out. He said, 10, 10 or more double-digit PGA Tour wins, including a major, before the age of 27. The list is Jack Nicholas, Tiger, Rory, Spieth, and Justin Thomas. That's it. Those are, those are the only guys who have done that before the age of 27. That's a, that, that's, that's, that's a real deal, man. That, that, those are all – well, look, all of the guys except for Justin Thomas right now are – Look, Jordan Spieth's a horn waiting. Um, 
obviously the others are Hall of Fame folks. Tiger will get there as soon as he turns 50. Um, so, so, so I mean, this is a pretty safe folks, and it's a safe team. And uh, things are certainly pointing in the right direction for Justin Thomas. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, we're going to talk Tiger. We're going to talk a little FedEx Cup standings uh, and a couple other things to kind of close out the week after the break. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay mark uh tiger woods fails to defend his win at the tour championship next week doesn't qualify uh kind of an up and down week he, he played really well on saturday shot a 67 uh was just kind of I, I thought this week was sort of emblematic of his entire season, right? Where you're like, ah, I don't know. He looks okay. And then one round you're like, oh, he looks great. And he had one tournament or a couple of tournaments where he really looked good this year. And the rest of it was just kind of, just kind of mediocre, you know? And, and especially for him, uh, I, any final takeaways from Tiger's uh, week or season? Well, we covered him all four rounds for PGA Tour Live. And the first round, you could see there was rustiness, as everyone would expect. Now, you know, rust, rusty or rustiness, or I'm feeling rusty, or the player's rusty, that's kind of one of those cliches that is tossed about in the PGA Tour, but no one can really describe it. And I would say, having watched him, having called him, the rustiness that I saw was just a person that was sort of battling to get into the rhythm of the round. And a guy looking at a guy who's been playing you know, they recover when they need to and they, they, they sort of comp- they, they convert when they have opportunities and such. And there wasn't that out of Tiger. It was a little stop and start. And so to that um, point, I would certainly say it was emblematic of his season. And I'd agree with you. As the rounds progressed, though, he got progressively better. Um, and I honestly thought um, we did a segment Saturday morning where he was two under through the first two rounds. And I was like, here's the story with Woods. When he was dominant 
if he gets he used to get all the par fives, play them in three, four under, he'd play the par three as well and pick off one or two bonus. That adds up to like sixty-eight ish, sixty-seven. I'm like, if he just does that, if he gets after the fives, plays the par threes in even picks off one or two more, that's sixty seven and sixty seven, that's ten under on the weekend, twelve would have been close as it turns out. I just didn't see Tiger taking advantage of the fives. He'd get the tee balls away, but from there it would be a second shot in the, in the wrong spot or a substandard pitch or miss short putts. He didn't play the par threes that well either. So from a physical standpoint, he got better. Um, from a physical standpoint, he didn't see much ill effects of, from, from the injury last week at the Northern Trust with the oblique muscle. Um, I loved the pace he was going at. And I just – what he needs, in my opinion, is just – extra running time. So I'm keen to see if he plays in the fall. I'm keen to see how the schedule shakes out because physically it's there, but he's got to stay in the rhythm of playing. And, and he can't against these youngsters now. Just spot them three weeks of competition then suddenly show up and beat them. It's, it's just, with respect, not going to happen. Well, we have, a, uh, we have a leaderboard for next week already. How about that? Uh, yeah. How, 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 how do you feel about that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about it. I, I, I tell you what, as, as a guy who lives just outside of Atlanta, I'm really jacked that um, finally the Tour Championship, which is one of my favorite events. Now, you know, my Bob Jones, Homer, and so everything Bob Jones, I get all giddy. So, you know, at Eastlake, you know, right there in the area where Bob Jones grew up, it's, it's an awesome golf course. It's a great tournament. Atlanta's a cool town. But, you know, the old Tour Championship used to have to battle with SEC football, which is like a religion down there. So I'm excited that we've got – that's not going to contend that much and we're going to have some real golf and the fans will show up. Um, I think for the ease of understanding, for the fans out there on the golf course, um, I think it's awesome. Because like last year for argument's sake, I was on the ground for PGA Tour Live. No one really sort of knew the Tiger could have won the FedEx Cup. Right. Um, if things out the right way because the only guy who sort of knew was Steve Sands and his whiteboard and then the folks who were watching the NBC broadcast <laughs> but out, out of the golf course no one knew everyone just knew what was happening in the tournament so now effectively we've got one event um, and, and that's pretty cool uh, the leaderboard we'll see how it goes uh, the one thing I've appreciated about the FedEx Cup is the Players Council and, and the PGA Tour have been prepared to to look at the format and, and sort of tweak things through the year to make it work better and this is just iteration number whatever but but I sort of like it I, I think we'll know better after the first round and certainly after the second round uh, on Friday evening you'll get a really good idea of how people stand it's going to be a bit weird on Friday morning when you're like dang how did you play Brooks he's like well I shot even, but I'm 10 under, so I'm yeah. all cool. You know, yeah. It's going to be a bit odd. So, but, but in the end, I think it's going to work out great. So the top of the leaderboard right now is JT's at 10 under, Cantley's at 8, Kepka's at 7, Reed's at 6, Rory's at 5, and you got Rom, Kuchar, Xander, Webb, and, and uh, Abraham Answer at 4. And then everybody else kind of is filtering it beyond that. It, it it's, it's really strange for Thursday, and I think the problem that you could potentially run into – is if if Justin Thomas goes out and shoots 65 on Thursday and is all of a sudden 17 under after one round it's like well <laughs> yeah, what what do we do now you know <laughs> and and well, uh, better get <laughs> and, and you know Jason Kokrak is like 19 down after 18 holes and uh it's just 
that's going to be really, uh, that's going to be weird. That's going to be odd. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by the spectacle of it. Cause I think there's a little bit of like, okay, how's like you said, like, how's this actually going to work? Uh, but look, I mean, the names at the top, you're going to get, uh, and, and this usually happens. We, we all like, you know, say whatever we want about the, the FedEx cup and uh, all this, you know, we joke about Steve Sands and his whiteboard. And then at the end of it, you're like, Oh, this is kind of fun. Like the competition of it. I mean, you know, Rory beating, uh, was it Kevin Chapel And, uh, who, who was in that, that playoff a couple years, a couple years well, ago, Billy Horschel, Jordan. Sp- I mean, we, we've had some really fun endings to the season and given the names at the top, I'd, I'd kind of expect the same again next week. Yeah, I think so too, because, um, the East leg welcomes a ball striker. And if you look, I'm looking at those rankings you're seeing now. Thomas and Cantley and Brooks and, uh, you know, McElroy, Rahm. Those are some real ball strikers at the top. So I feel like, you know, Justin may come out and play great, but those other boys aren't going to leave him behind. So I think jamming up some. And then when you start to see Friday morning and Friday afternoon transpire, you know, that you won't see much weather, I don't think. There, there might be, you know, the odd summer thunderstorm. But but it's I think it'll work out pretty well. In fact, I've spoken with Alex Turnbull, who does all of our statistics um, for the broadcast from Shotlink, and and they looked through all of the data from all of the years, and they basically plugged in this new scoring system to previous seasons and rankings. And I think Bar and I'm going to get the the number wrong, Alex, forgive me, but there was less than a handful of the champions that wouldn't have won with this if we were using this new uh, scoring system so 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 they've they, they've tried and tested this thing now it remains to be seen when the rubber meets the road Thursday morning but but I think it's going to be fun and if nothing else it's going to be easy for yours truly to understand when I'm calling shots on, on Thursday afternoon yeah people like you and me won't won't have as much trouble as as we did before um Okay. Any any last any other thoughts about uh, Medina or, or just kind of setting up next week? I, I thought the, um, you know, we we hit the course, we hit JT. Uh, I thought Cantlay was great. I, I just think he remains so underrated, and I think he'll remain underrated until he wins a major. Uh, I, I think you you sort of by definition, people just don't know a, a ton about you, and and maybe even after you win a major, who knows? Um, we talked a little Tiger. Uh, well. I'll- been on Cantlay there for a second because yeah. you've been preaching this for a long time and and you've seen it and you've seen the writing of the wall and I commend you for for spotting it but but the thing about Cantlay you know Adam Scott um, Adam jumps out at you because of the golf swing and the dude's built like Adonis and you know he's got it all going on um, but when Adam Scott shows up you know no one really thinks about him because he's so softly spoken mm-hmm. and he never until last week has something to say about stuff. Cantlay is the same thing. He, he might win five or six majors and you'll still forget about him going in. He's <laughs> almost like Kepka was. You know, obviously now kept with the performance in recent years has, has grabbed people's attention. But remember how many times he was overlooked once, but he had, and he, but he had two majors on the resume? I think Cantlay will be that guy. But I'll tell you one thing for certain, man. He's legit. And if you want to win the FedEx Cup next week, you got to stay in front of Patrick Cantlay. Yeah, he he's really good, and there's only there's only two guys on the season who are averaging over two strokes gained per round. Uh, Rory's at two point five. This was after the Northern. Tra- no, this was after the BMW. Uh, so this is updated. Uh, uh, Rory's at two point five per round, and Cantlay's at two point one six. Which two point one six? I don't know. 
people listening might not be able to contextualize that. That's like a top, I, I'd have to look at it. I think it's like a top 25 round in the last couple decades. I mean, it, it's a re, it's, it's kind of an historic number. And, you know, strokes gained isn't everything, but I, I think that is very representative of how good of a season he's having and, and kind of how well he's playing right now. Yeah, the strokes gain metric is, is very appropriate. If, if it wasn't that good, you wouldn't have all of the PTO players referencing this stuff when they're making calls on what to work on in their game, yeah, yeah. when they're making decisions as to how to go about. I mean, a lot of these guys have um, uh, strategy coaches, if you would, for lack of a better name, where the coaches will go through the data from the golf course from previous tournaments, and you look at the shot link and the strokes gain metrics, and, and then you basically plan out the strategy for the week. So the the, 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 the strokes gain numbers are very appropriate, and, and they – clearly indicate that Cantlay is a banner guy and and he's going to be sharp next week. I mean, I think it was a couple of seasons ago he made it to the Tour Championship without a win and that is hard to do with the way the FedEx Cup points break down. Yeah. You know, it's fighting for a win and, and typically, you know, if you if you have a win you're in the playoffs kind of thing, if you're likely to make it to the Tour Championship, he's just such a consistent guy. And, and, and one thing about him real fast, he, he's a Closer. He, he's the kind that's the bit between his teeth. He's not going to go away. And evidence of that was, you know, Justin Thomas had the big lead that was clipped some by Hideki. Then Hideki faded some. And then Cantlay and uh, Finau sort of were closing the gap a little bit. Um, 17, that par three down the hill. Cantlay hadn't just dropped the anchor and hit the ball in the middle of the green and sort of make three and four and get out and get myself points guaranteed. He goes lining up that flag where folks were making mistakes all of the time. Hits it underneath the hole, makes the twenty plus footer. You could see this dude wasn't letting go. He, you know, he was playing till the tape, and, and so as a result, you know, he, he's he, he's going to be around for a long, long time. Yeah, I agree. Uh, by the way, the seventeenth hole. The only thing I can think of when I see that hole is is Justin Rose in the in the two thousand twelve Ryder Cup. I, I don't even. I can't, I can't even like focus on what's going on in in actual the actual golf. But uh, look, Mark, well, I. You, you know the story about that. You know he made that putt against a big sweeper from left. Massive. It was like 60 feet plus. And say birdies that and then birdies 18 to beat Phil. When he made the putt, he sort of walked around on the green with his arms outstretched. Yeah. And sort of was looking at the, the, the spectator stands. And that was an iconic picture that was used by Paul McGinley in the next Ryder Cup. In their team room, uh, they had a guy – um, Nick Bradley, who put together all of these pictures. And Rose's picture was one of those with his hands outstretched like this and like the world sort of, and, and these European stars coming out of his hands. I mean, it's an iconic shot. It's one of those that gives you goosebumps. And so you talk about a memorable shot, and that one on 17 is certainly one for me. Well, it worked in 2014 as well. Uh, we don't need to go down this path, though. But. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I could talk strokes game, Patrick Cantlay all day, but I gotta, I gotta go do some HQ here in a minute. So, um, you get some rest this week, uh, get fired up for the tour championship and we will reconvene. Uh, we'll reconvene next week, possibly talking about Justin Thomas at 40 under after, uh, after three rounds of, uh, at Eastlake. <laughs> Appreciate you, Carl. Take care, man. Talk to you later, Mark. Bye.